E-Road provides fleets with advanced capabilities for remote reefer control, real-time compartment mismatch detection, product-specific temperature alerts, and a host of compliance management applications. It's time to revisit how your refrigerated goods are monitored. Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Mary O'Connell, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold chain world. Not only is there the coolest show in freight, but there's also Running on Ice, the newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that on FreightWaves.com slash Running on Ice. Before we get into our guest interview, let's get into some headlines. Darden Restaurants, the parent company to Olive Garden, is donating 10 more refrigerated trucks to food banks across the United States. One of those food banks is Gleaner's Food Bank of Indiana, located in Indianapolis. The trucks are made possible through a $2 million grant from the Darden Restaurant Foundation and support from food banks with the greatest need will become part of the mobile food pantry programs. Mobile food pantries are a vital resource for people facing hunger as they bring food directly to communities in need. Goes to show that when you're here, you really are family. The U.S. Department of Agriculture Foreign Agriculture Service is collaborating with North Carolina State University in implementing two projects on solar-powered cold storage in Kenya. Cold storage is becoming increasingly important for resilience under climate change, highlighting the significance of science in adapting to changing global conditions. Additionally, using solar powers make it even more climate-conscious and environmentally friendly. Mobile cold storage facilities kitted out with solar panels are helping farmers get more produce to market before it's boiled. Around a third of fresh produce goes bad before being sold. Harris Teeter's grocery delivery is now available to customers across Washington, D.C. metro area. Delivery groceries get packed onto the signature Harris Teeter refrigerated red delivery truck with frozen items packed in dry ice until they reach the customer. Harris Teeter Delivery offers more than 30,000 items, including fresh produce, meats, and seafood, and exclusive items from Harris Teeter brands like Boar's Head. Orders and deliver- are delivered via temperature-controlled Harris Teeter delivery trucks, and those delivery drivers are uniformed Harris Teeter associates committed to handling groceries with care and profession. Today, we are joined by Travis Ross, Senior Technical Account Manager at E-Road. Thank you so much for joining us today, Travis. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you. I am pretty excited about today. Uh, it's something that we haven't really touched on that much, and that's kind of like, you know, the role that AI plays in cold chain. Before we get too far into that, let's get some background on you and kind of how you got started at E-Road. Sure. So about five and a half years ago, I came on board. We were called Cortex at the time. And I was a customer with this platform uh, for Cold Chain, and I was absolutely horrific at it. I worked for Golden State Foods at the time, uh, specifically McDonald's Distribution Center in South Carolina here. And my center was the worst in the country for Cold Chain compliance. Every time we had a continuous improvement meeting, I would usually uh, find a reason to hide or Whatever, I was bad at it. I, I was a transportation manager. So I looked at it as um, a project or something that I had to deal with. And I'm trying to hire extra board, I'm dealing with injury stand down. I mean, you, you name it. It was, I was a bit belligerent. I would not adopt it. And um, then McDonald's decided, hey, we're going to roll out fresh beef. So management at Golden State Foods gave me a nice tap on the shoulder and said, hey, you're a cool fella, but if you want to hang around here any longer, you can't be bad at the cold chain piece. So 
I reached out to Cortex and they sent a nice chap down from uh, New Zealand. Well, it's a key, it's a New Zealand based company. So they sent uh, a Kiwi Urban. It was based in the States at the time. We spent a couple of days together. I do live in South Carolina. So I was able to take him to his first ever Southern barbecue. He enjoyed some fried chicken livers and I think fell in love with them. Uh, but uh, the point being, he taught me what I needed to know in just a couple of days, how to use telematics for cold chain. And I completely nerded out on it because I, I realized quite quickly that there was may, way more than just temperature compliance. I now had visibility to my fuel spin. I now had visibility to trailers before they broke down on the side of the road. I was throwing away less product and uh, spending mes- less money on labor for watching stuff on shelter yard. I mean, it was amazing. So for about three months, we knew that our data was not good. Our baseline wasn't good. So we we kind of kept things on the down low for about three months and made some operational operational changes and then put those in front of leadership at Golden State Foods. And we were able to flip the operation around financially in a very short amount of time. And then Golden State Foods started having me travel around, teach other centers how to use this platform that I used to hate so much. And in due course, Cortex and now E-Road brought me over. Um, it's a wonderful partnership because those are still a lot of my peers. Golden State Foods, also known as QCD, is one of their companies, is our largest Starbucks carrier. And I partner with them uh, on the daily, work with them. So there are a lot of friends that I still get to spend time with and, and help them. I kind of like that it started as uh, just being really bad. That's that's a that's a good that's not a lot of people would admit that they were bad at their job before they got good at it. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. So I guess one of the things that you had to kind of learn was, you know, how to use this tool and all the data that it can provide. So kind of how does it how does this actually like the telematics and everything like that? How does that actually help give that visibility into the different aspects of the cold chain like you mentioned? So it's a steep learning curve, but kind of how does it, how does it really in the end game help? Yeah. So the, one of the biggest, one of the biggest issues is um, user engagement, just like I was. A lot of folks don't want to use it for various reasons. Maybe they feel like they don't have time. Maybe they feel like they don't want to peel behind their own curtain. There are plenty of reasons that people would say, I don't want to use reefer telematics. However, once you're able to actually have a conversation and partner with folks out in the field and show them, look, it's it's all about minutes per day. Most people feel like I don't have time. That's the biggest pushback. But what we do is we like to partner with people. I, I very much enjoy going out in the field, out of the location and showing them like, hey, minutes per day, like literally two or three minutes. I'm going to show you how to set up some alerts. I'm going to show you how to use this simulated product algorithm, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a few minutes to predict things, to give you alerts, to let you know when things are about to go bad so you don't have to live in this platform all the time. And when you present it in a way that a transportation manager or a fleet manager realizes it helps them from a labor standpoint, the biggest issue right now is that turnover. So if you present something that they can use to flip their operation around without a ton of time, without another project, in a way that they can set up and make scalable, even if they turn people over, it's usually, it's usually a winner. So it's kind of that you got to meet people where they are and say, you know, it's not going to, it might take a, a like an hour or so to get it set up, but day to day, it's not going to be, you're not going to sit here drowning in this system. You're just going to keep moving and it's actually going to help you 
in the long term. You got to really kind of sell that value. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the one of the other problems is when people they'll get excited about it. So at first they don't want to use it, then they have it, and like I I, I love this. I want to know about everything. You don't really want to know about everything. So when you say that, you're you're saying, hey, I want the reefer micro to tell me everything that's happening, every little belt. What the danger of that is, uh, folks will get excited about it, and then they ask for too much data. Then they can't consume the data that comes in, and then they ignore it, and then they go back to square one. So we like to partner with folks and say, hey, look for these four things on the daily. Set just these three or four things up. Start from there. Then three or six months down the road, man, we'll take you to the next level kind of stuff, whatever makes you comfortable. Worst thing we want is for people to turn from the platform. I like that. It's just kind of a don't bite off more than you can chew. Just start small and then work your way up. Because like you said, when you get inundated with all this information, the easiest thing is just to kind of shut down and ignore it because it's no longer helpful. It's a, it's a chore now. Um, so I guess when it comes to it, how do you kind of use AI, the new the new hotness on the block? How do you kind of use that and leverage that into this data applications? Okay. We'll get specific now. So what we what we offer, what we have, is a, a, a program called CoreTemp. CoreTemp is a simulated algorithm that tells you real product temperature. And what I mean is, for the most part, across the industry, folks rely on one metric, return air from their trailer to tell them their product temperature. Or they might rely on little temp tails, little portable sensors that can be moved around the trailer. Now, I, I'm not saying I ever did this or, or that it ever happens, but it's quite easy to ask a driver, hey, put that mobile sensor in the coldest milk crate that you can and just move it around throughout the day and we'll give it a download and we'll look great. Um, what CoreTemp actually does is allows you to get way more, ac- way more accurate in your predictive analytics of, over what's happening with your product. So for example, a, sh- a shipper or a carrier would say, hey, E-Road, we want, uh, we're interested in CoreTemp and uh, we have a particular product or a couple of products we're paying a lot of claims on, or it's the one that's the most sensitive in our operation. We want you to come out. So I'll come out for a week of studies and we'll, we'll put that through every study imaginable to abuse the product. Uh, we take in supply, air, return, packaging, everything. I then take all that data, send it over to the data nerds in New Zealand. No offense if there's data nerds listening to this. Like, y'all are awesome, too. I love you. But I take that data, send it over to my friends, and they create the simulated product algorithm that we, we then drop into our application that customers can use. And what we've shown, we've been, this has been out for about three and a half years now, and what we've shown that product moves way slower than what you normally would think against your return air, your defrost events, the common things that happen within a delivery. The significance of that is when a customer wants a temperature report or they're concerned about something, all we have is just that one thing, return air. And if they see the spikes in the return air that happen all the time at deliveries, they'll get upset or they'll get concerned. And then as an operator, you're calling a driver, driver's waiting, driver's probing product. All this labor is, is just being wasted in aggravation. But with CoreTemp, 
we actually, you can see it. It's a beautiful little dotted red line on the application and it follows along the entire delivery and moves way slower than actual return air or the other route activity. And it's quite accurate. That actually seems really kind of cool. It's like that extra layer instead of just like, yeah, it was cold the whole time. It's like, no, this is exactly where it was. This is everything that kind of happened to it. I guess like from switching from a normal kind of uh, temperature monitoring to the core temp, how much like, I guess, on average, do people usually end up like saving from product wise or time wise? Like how much like and added extra added benefit do they have? OK, well, sure. I'll, I'll give you a specific case study that QCD shared with us. And it was probably about 18 months ago. So it's, it's likely improved by now. So QCD. Again, one of the largest Starbucks carriers, 25 distribution centers across the country, 7,250, probably 7,500 restaurants by now that they serve, 35,000 deliveries a week. And what they ended up doing when they adopted our platform and leaned into telematics and then furthermore core temp is they saved $50,000 per month. They put math to it. They have the proof. $50,000 per month across their business in labor and not having to buy probes. So that's a big cost right there. And they were able to actually improve their quality of their of their groceries over time as well. So they saved money and they got better. That's kind of the ultimate win-win, right? Nobody really wants to pay more money and have worse product. So I feel like that's it's kind of a game changer for the most part. I think so. So I guess we kind of going off of that, how do you... How do you kind of leverage this technology and kind of this AI applications? How do you leverage that to kind of mitigate compliance risk and, you know, ensure that everyone's compliant? So mitigating compliance risk, that's what really stands out with that question. And that's what I did as as a customer. So here's what here's what happened when I would see Siliker or an auditor pull up into our operation when I was bad at it is, uh, yeah, I just pretty much wanted to run and hide. Uh, you're, you're scrambling, you're, you're going to file cabinets, you're pulling out temp log, you're making sure that the things are on the up and up. And, you know, maybe, maybe you're filling out things at a time where you shouldn't be. Maybe, I'm not saying that I ever did that. But what this does, now let's just, let's just say you have an auditor come in now and they look for your temperature compliance. So say they give me a route for Temecula and let me see on March 23rd, you pull it up and now you can pull it up against a graph from core temp to show the actual simulated product temperature and then explain that to the auditor. It's usually or has been quite a slam dunk. It's new to them, but it's a second level quality assurance for cold chain. Cold chain's not ever going to go backwards. I mean, unless we have like a you know, food quality won't go backwards unless we have like a zombie apocalypse. And I, I reckon it could go backwards. But so what I was able to do is to show this type of information to auditors. And when you can show that you're running your business in that way, usually they're not they're not peeling back any more layers at that point because customers that have this type of application are, are a cut above. And they're actually using it to rewrite their HACCP plans, to rewrite their food safety plans and incorporate it. I kind of like that approach because, you know, you have to start from somewhere. Like you said, you're not going to go backwards. And if anything, you know, the regulations that are going to come from various different agencies, it's only going to demand, you know, more like tracking, more visibility, more details. So, you know, like you said, short of a zombie apocalypse, 
cold chain's not necessarily going to go backwards. And uh, I think if it if a zombie apocalypse happens, we have much bigger issues than how you know the cold tr- the cold chain is moving. I have a feeling that it will come to a screeching halt should zombies take over the world. Thank you for embracing my analogy. I probably could have come up with something better, but it seemed to fit. It does. It fits um, because I honestly uh, I would stop caring if zombies took over. I'd have just a couple. It'd be like, oh, my grapes were. Um, outside of the threshold for temperature no thank you we'll assume it's not going to happen though so we'll just keep getting better short of a zombie apocalypse what other kind of trends do you see kind of um coming out of this um enhanced telematics and enhanced ai space what kind of trends and advancements do you see kind of happening over the next year or the next few years Oh, I think the emerging trend is going to be people are going to be leaning into it way more than they have far beyond just food quality but looking into things like predictive analytics to let you know before your trailers break down on the side of the road. We did a study with one of our large enterprise customers for a month where we were able to capture all of their SOS, roadside breakdowns, and show that 62% of those would have thrown a priority one alert and let somebody know. So imagine if you're a large customer with 5,000, 10,000 fleet of uh, 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 trailers across the country, If you're making just a dent in that, you're saving a ton of money. Now, take it a step further as we start to drift into predictive analytics, all the machine learning, all that kind of stuff to let you know we're really quite close to nailing this part down along with the food piece on Hortemp is to say, based on the alarm codes that we're seeing in your reefer units, this trailer is going to break down in the next number of days. We're getting very, very close to nailing that down. And I think this is the type of stuff people are going to lean into. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I can, we've talked about it before when we've talked about predictive analytics on the show. And that's something that, um, you know, I think is only going to continue to become an industry standard. You know, I know there's kind of some early adopters and some people getting into it now. But if I can limit the amount of times that I have a truck stranded on the side of the road and I'm not that guy with a truck broke down on the side of the road where everybody's driving by seeing my truck down. Um, also, I don't have to try and like recover it or like on a highway somewhere, try to offload it onto another trailer. Like if I don't have to deal with that, or at least if I the chances of me having to deal with that go down to such a small, small component. I think that that almost to me is a no brainer uh, as to what like what the future would be for me, you know? Absolutely. So we are running out of time, but there's a question that everyone that comes to the show has to answer, and I'm very excited to hear yours. All right, let's have it. Is cereal considered a soup? I should have researched what other people said, but that that would have uh, slided my... Is cereal considered a a, a soup? No, absolutely not. Uh, And now you probably want to know why. Cereal should be crunchy. A soup is not crunchy. The only reason a soup would ever be crunchy is if you put croutons on the top, like a French onion or something like that. And other folks might say, well, what if the cereal, it's cereal, but then it gets mushy and it's not crunchy anymore. Is a soup? No, that's a porridge. So the answer is no. Okay. I'm also team cereal is not a soup, um, but I also tend to eat my cereal dry like a monster. Um but I, I just like it that way. I am a crunch fiend. Like some people have like a texture thing. I love crunchy things. Like it is an ongoing thing in my house that it is never crispy enough for me. So I am, full, I am in full support of this. Cereal is not a soup. Um, Even Captain Crunch? 
It like destroys the roof of your mouth. You can even crunch on that. 100%. I'm impressed. 100%. My favorite is Frosted Flakes, but I will eat Frosted. I will eat Captain Crunch just just straight because I am a monster. I'm impressed. I'm glad we agree. (laughs) So if someone wants to reach out to you about your your, um, soup versus porridge versus cereal situation or um, about any kind of you know, predictive analytics for in the cold chain. Where can they find you outside the show? Sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me, Travis Ross. You can also email me at travis.ross at erode.com. Or maybe you can find me by going to erode. Probably easier just to email me. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for having me and have a wonderful week. You can catch other episodes of Running on Ice right here on YouTube or anywhere else you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Need more running on ice news? No sweat. Subscribe to the newsletter on freightwaves.com slash running on ice. See you on the internet.